grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Jeff. I'm going to read a scripture over us. You may, you may be seated and, and pray for our time. Uh, the psalm writer says, The Lord is my shepherd, and I lack nothing. He leads me beside cool waters. He leads me into green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me along the right paths for his namesake. And even though those paths lead through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This psalm is written by David. It's a, it's a psalm that mirrors some of his experience. David goes into a dark valley, and he fights the giants there. And he comes out of the dark valley, and he's fed by his God, and his cup overflows into the people around him. Uh, there's an ancient commentary on this psalm, and it says, the man who hasn't suffered, what does he know? Just as a, it's like a throwaway, like, man who hasn't suffered. What does he know? And that's like encapsulating that. My name's Jeff Cook. Um, I'm a pastor from Greeley, Colorado, which South Park describes as the opposite. Greeley represent. <laughs> South Park re- describes Greeley, Colorado as the opposite of Hawaii. Um, but I'm from Carbondale. And I came to faith in Carbondale. And I became a man in Carbondale. And I was shown grace and wisdom from my father in Carbondale. And I was shown the living Jesus in Carbondale in the lives and work of Doug and Rebecca Self, of Pete Schaffner, of Chris Vashus, of V.J. Fowler, of Steve Casey, of Bill and Kathy Williams, and in Daniel Self. Um, and I am so excited to be here this morning because this is a special morning. There are times when one pastor crosses the finish line after years of faithful service, and another picks up the mantle and begins their time in leadership. And it's real common in churches for somebody from outside the community to come and just speak the words of Christ and God over that time because it's special and it needs to be marked and it needs to be elevated in our hearts. And so um, I can't tell you how thrilled I am to be standing here at this moment with you. Um, We have two men who have pastored here for a long time, Daniel and Charlie. And pastoring doesn't get talked about very, very often, at least in my experience. I don't go to another church. I suppose I go to my church, and I never talk about pastoring. But when, when I get to go to somebody else's church, I can tell you about the job. Um, pastoring is a very emotional, soul-stretching kind of job. I have taught for years at a large American university. I have uh, spent some time selling houses. I've worked in construction. I have built businesses, all admirable jobs. Nothing compares to like the ache of, give, of breaking, yourself out, uh, breaking yourself open and pouring yourself out that takes place in pastoral work. 
Um, pastors sit with those who are dying. We get to stand with those who are making lifelong promises. We lead grieving families, and we elevate the dead. We talk with people about pain. We invite everyone, no matter who they are, where they've been, what they've done, to drop their differences and come to the same table and receive a meal of bread and wine. But we also have to deal with budgets and construction projects and debt and financial needs of the poor, and we are supposed to be experts in the souls of middle schoolers. (laughs) We need to be schooled in leadership, family dynamics, soul care, trauma, And of course, we are supposed to know something about 66 ancient texts written in in ancient three ancient languages that nobody really speaks anymore. And we are supposed to be able to communicate soul-restoring truths to those who have dragged their girlfriend here for the first time when she didn't want to come. And that's the job. This room is similar to the, the room that I pastor in in that it's very dark when the shades are closed but if you were to open the shades what you would experience is darkness and sunlight beaming in and that routinely when i'm in in our church space uh, struck by how that describes for me what church pastoring looks like it's like we're, we are surrounded at all times by the love and joy and hope and encouragements of the living God who is elevating us with all he has, and yet we often are in dark spaces, and we can't see that light. And one of the things that pastors are commissioned to do, empowered to do, you know, championed to do, is to open up those windows. And the light that is surrounding us at all times can come breaking in. I love that job because of that. Um, And it's tough work Uh, for Charlie, who's worked here for two decades, two decades of service to faithfully shepherd and pray for and grieve with and lead and be a source of stability for a church like this is a monumental task. It is even more impressive in my mind to have done that, and at the same time to help raise up leaders who he can pass the torch to, who are passionate and skilled and have what it takes to lead from that space. That takes extraordinary skill. I'm real envious of this. Um, Charlie has always been a friend to me, has welcomed me with joy, and is certainly a man that is worthy of honor. And I want to applaud him for, for his work. Daniel has been a brother to me. There are a few men on the planet who I admire more than Daniel self. Uh, when we were young, there was, there was a well-known scholarship in our valley. It was the most prestigious scholarship in the valley. It was going to pay for your education. He and I drove down to have the interview with the committee who was going to make decisions about this. Daniel got up and said, I want to give my life serving kids um, with the Bible. And when he pitched how he was going to be a youth pastor, he was really excited about that. I got up and I told them, honestly, well, I see myself being in a rock band. <laughs> I didn't get the scholarship. <laughs> but Daniel did. And Daniel took 
that, and he went to the same university as his mom and dad because he honors his parents. And because of his extraordinary energy and skill, he actually left that school early, and he took a job as a youth pastor in Georgia at this rapidly growing church outside of Atlanta. And it ends up that when he arrived, the church population exploded, and he found himself overseeing hundreds of middle schoolers, which I know you could handle, but I couldn't. That sounds terrifying to me. He married a law student from a prestigious Georgia family and was successful. He was as successful as anyone in the country at the work he was doing. And that's when his story began. Um, Early in their marriage, Daniel's wife began having affairs, uh, but instead of running away, and I know this because I was on the phone with him frequently during this time, Daniel committed time and again to staying in that relationship, loving his wife and his commitments, consistently forgiving, and going the hard mile. And after many, many years of this cycle, they got divorced, and she left him with $60,000 in debt, which she had racked up without his knowledge. And according to the state laws, you can obviously just hand that back and say, here, this is yours. And he didn't. He took on the debt himself because he's a follower of Jesus, and Jesus takes on debts. And because the American church always advocates for people who are abused and hurt and in bad shape, he got removed from that church, lost his income, lost his marriage, um, and he had to go looking for work without a degree and with enormous debt. And in this state, he goes, he, he goes looking for a job. At, he goes to a kickboxing studio to get a job because he apparently had gone there a lot because, you know, in a state like that, you got to hit something, right? So he's used to hitting punching bags. And he's like, you know, what? I could probably do this. So he goes to the owner. And he says, hey, I would like a job. Owner says, so you think you can sell karate to kids? And Daniel says, I've been selling Jesus to kids for the last five years. And he's invisible. And then Dan got real sick. The Job story is profound here. He got spots all over his body. They started calling Danthrax. And (laughs) the doctor said, okay, in order to get rid of this, Daniel, you are going to have to eat just grapefruit and asparagus or something awful like that, right? (laughs) Finally, in this state, he leaves Georgia, comes back home, lives with his folks. 30-year-old, divorced, in debt, living in his parents' house. Welcome your new pastor, by the way. No. <laughs> Takes a volunteer role here, serving young people, serving under a guy who has like his old job, and he does it faithfully. And he serves, and he takes a job at a bank so that he can serve kids in this valley, serve people in this valley. Met and married a woman who had lost her husband in an accident. I get to hear this on the phone. I get to hear this in the, the story told maybe once or every year or two. And I'm just crushed for my brother. Um, but what I saw was profound in terms of how the story played out. It's because of his vast character over these 
years because he has faithfully served the people in this valley. He is being honored and elevated as a lead pastor in this community. What a story that is. I weep every time I think about this, which I'm not going to do now because I told myself I wouldn't. And the thing is, is he's going to stand beside people who have lost their spouse, lost years of their lives to misfortune and betrayal. He's going to stand beside people who are sick, people who are in despair, people who have suffered. But he has become a man who can speak with authority into those situations. Because the man who hasn't suffered, what does he know? The writer of Hebrews says, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Paul wrote, We know in all things that God works out, sorry, we know in all things God works everything out for the good of those who love him, and that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. Jesus, when speaking of his own suffering after the resurrection, and the loss of everything he had. He says, was it not necessary that the Christ suffer many things and then enter glory? Let me tell you about pastor work. The only thing that matters is character. You can fake everything else. If you don't have character, you will hurt people. If you don't have character, you cannot stand next to somebody who is dying of cancer with real hope in your heart and say, here's the God that surrounds you. Without character, everything falls apart. And I commend this man to you because I have seen his life. I've seen my brother look in the eyes of those who have betrayed him most and offer love and compassion and forgiveness. I have seen him so sick that he was making plans to get organ donations. I have seen him faithfully preserve, uh, persevere in times of immense stress and discouragement. And I've seen him walk through dark valleys and come out the other side and be fed by the Christ at the table and be anointed with his oil and then his cup just overflows and goodness and mercy follow him. That's been my experience of Daniel's self. And that's going to happen all the days of his life. Seldom in a culture like ours, we get to elevate people, leaders, and say, this is a good man. This is a wise man. This is a worthy man. This is a gracious man. This is the sort of man I want to do life with. But I know Dan Self is all of these things. And I know this because I've seen him suffer, and I've seen his character, and I've seen him overcome. And I know he has done all these things because he believes in the invisible Jesus who has died and is risen and reigns forever and ever and ever. Amen. I have a holy relic that I have brought. When 
I started a church in Greeley with nothing. I was given a relic. It's <laughs> Just kidding. It's been in my office for years. Um, and it's a symbol. of the pursuing love of God and the fact that other men stand up and fight for me. And we made this in an art school, uh, art classroom a long time ago, and I'm not going to tell you what, the, what it stands for. This is going to be a secret between us. <laughs> um, but it has served me well. And when I was given it, Daniel said, someday... You need to give this back. And I'm going to present this to you. (laughs) May it serve you well. May it remind you of God's pursuing love. And that men stand beside each other. Um, We're going to do something. We're going to pray. I would love to invite you to stand. Um, Daniel, you stood beside me at my wedding. You walked with me in my first steps of faith. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. You have defeated the lion and the bear. And every obstacle in front of you is going to be like one of them. And because we love our brother and because we're elevating him into that spot where he's going to suffer on our behalf, He needs the Holy Spirit. And so I actually would love to pray a prayer. This is an ancient prayer that's often prayed for someone um, as they come into faith, but it is certainly one that can be prayed over um, our brother as he takes um, this next step um, in his life. And so with full hearts, with gratitude, because this is a good man, I would love to invite you um, to pray over Daniel Self these words. Strengthen, O Lord, your servant with your Holy Spirit. Empower him for your service and sustain him all the days of his life. Amen. Have a seat. Thank you, Jeff. Perfect. Perfect. We'll get to that circle back around. Whoa. Yeah. Happy, sad. Happy set. I'm happy uh, because um, we are headed into quite an adventure, Gwen and I, um, going to this church in my hometown up a steamboat. You heard this two weeks ago if you listened to that sermon. Um, and uh, excited to um, partner with the pastor there who's been a friend of mine for five years and, um, and get to do and focus on what I'm really uh, good at, which is pretty awesome opportunity at this stage of my life. And and uh, so pray for us as we do that. I, I, think, uh, uh, I think really good stories are ahead uh, and um, uh, sad because we love you. When I think of it, I love the orchard. I say that all the time. I'm not talking about the orchard orchard. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. And uh, the life we
offer. My son is at, back at the sound right now. No editing. Yet. Yet. Yeah. Right when you get in the moment, too, because I'm telling him I love him. What's the deal? Well, I do love you. I really do. And my heart is really warm. And, and, and you know, um, when I look at the course of my life, my ministry, and we've been here, gosh, we've done a lot of life together, haven't we, Doug? We're uh, about 20 years, and you had another 10 years here before that, and the story um, is, is, is really good. It's really good. A lot of life together. And you know what? I would have to say that I really like who we have become. I have, I have really good thoughts. When I'm sitting back and thinking about who the orchard is, who you are, I, I don't mean to get weird, but I get warm fuzzies about it, you know? And I'm like, oh, this is such a cool place. These people are so cool. I really do. And uh, I'm excited, so excited about what the orchard is going to be and do and uh, where it's headed and, um, and this simple vision of loving God and loving people, I believe resonates in everyone's heart, even those that don't know them yet. And uh, uh, you are living that out. And you know, one of the questions that, that uh, we pastor people at wherever he went, ask all the time is, uh, uh, you know, if we weren't here, would the place be any different? If the, if the orchard wasn't here, would this valley be, uh, would they regret that we were gone? And I would have to tell you, yes, they would. That who you are and who we are in this place and in this region makes a difference. And you are making a difference. And as uh, having been your pastor, lead pastor of, of you all and in this place, um, that just brings me a lot of joy. A lot of joy. Now, if I could give you a few things that you would take with you, uh, that are actually, I believe, a part of our culture. Our staff works on this, our leadership. You may have heard that we've got these seven axioms uh, that, uh, uh, I don't know if you remember them, but I can tell you they're getting woven into the fabric of this place. If you listen to Daniel preach, and that's what you do, um, you'll hear these things. So if you're taking notes uh, or your memory's on, capture them, because the first one, I'm going to run quick. The first one is, keep the main thing the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus. And actually, everything else is peripheral. Everything else. Everything, even those really strongly held beliefs that you have, like are just bedrock, that's second, because Jesus is first. Jesus is first, and ought to be your theology on how you interpret everything. Keep the main thing the main thing. If you do that, you'll be on point. The second thing is filter everything we do and everything you do and everything we do through the vision of loving God and loving people. And if you can't figure out how this is moving you to love God more and love people more, stop and pray, work on it until God shows you how to love Him and love people more. Everything. And you ought to ask the question, hey, how does this represent loving God and loving people? That ought to be your question for each other and because it... Um, and for the church. Thirdly, because of those two things, I love the way you put it, uh, Daniel, there's room here for everyone, no asterisks. If Jesus is really the main thing, because he really is, one of the things we set out back in the beginning was um, six and a half years ago, how does Jesus become the, not just figurehead of the church, but the functional head of the church? Well, that's by making him the main thing in everything. 
And if you filter everything through the vision, then there really can be room here for everyone. Uh, People who are completely different. uh, That's what you want. You want this to be a place. This is the... I'm not speaking about the other churches, but there's something very special about this place. Very special. Because really, you have the bandwidth. You have the space for everyone. And then that'll get messy. People who don't believe what you believe. Wouldn't that be great? If Jesus is the main thing, there's room here for everyone. Because there are thousands of people all around who are looking for a place like that, who think the church is a place where it's not for them. And this is a place. And that's so good. And then, uh, filter this, put this in your thinking. Everything is relational. Everything is relational. Uh, you know, there's a tendency in church to uh, get very programmed and, and, and all of that. That's, that's kind of moving away from relationship even. Uh, do the programs you need to do. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is everything you do is relational. That ought to be your guide. And we stumbled onto that as leadership um, when we were working on the structure of church and stuff. But then you start to realize, wait a minute, God is leading in, that into that simple truth that uh, it's relationship. You've got ha- you to actually talk to this person about what the deal is instead of some policy. You actually have to, to move to the funk this funky place, right? Because the fourth one, fifth one, I'm on five, is uh, unity is our story here. Now, I don't know, uh, if you're just getting started at this church, um, you haven't heard our story too much, but um, we lived out um, very, very difficult times and, and, and have seen God uh, move us to supernatural unity. John 17 says, they're going to know out there that Jesus has come from the Father because of your unity. And uh, actually, uh, most of the world right now, when they look at the church, they think the exact opposite. They think uh, they know us by what we agree with and what we don't agree with instead of what our unity that we have, which means I can, you and I can disagree completely and be in unity together because of Jesus. It's that thing. Press into unity. Live out. We got that story, bro. It's the best one ever. It's the, my, it's the highlight of my ministry life. And I've been in this for a while. And that's the highlight of my ministry life, that unity that we have. Now, this, is a little one, uh, this one's a little bit more obscure, but it's operating in our culture. Work for personal transformation and transformation of the valley. We want to see thousands of people with transformed lives who have a relationship with Jesus that, where they're fully engaged in uh, a relationship with Him and the life of this place. And be, with that, do you realize that God wants to use you collectively to bring the kingdom so that the whole valley is a better place for people to live? You actually have that responsibility. And that's what God wants to do. That's so cool. That, that people way out there at the fringe of this valley are, are actually um, uh, experiencing something that's drawing them to God because you and we were out there. Work for that. That's a little subtle, but it's really important. And then finally, seventh. Uh, I hope you can pick this up. Uh, we say our, our seventh axiom is it's fun to be us. Now, did you know following Jesus is supposed to be fun? I mean, yes, there are those dark nights of the soul, and he walks with you through that. But uh, there's this joy, too, and there's this purpose and this mission, and you can have a hoot. You should be laughing. 
You know, actually, when people encounter us, they ought to go, that's fun. Remember all the way back in the day, it's fun. Uh, fun how do we say it? Fun place to get serious with God. That's part of the DNA of this, of this place, actually. Have fun. You know, if you're having fun, don't take yourself too seriously. Try stuff. And if you screw it up, okay, do something different. Every time uh, Daniel gets up to speak, and I pick this up and pull this up, put it here, um, he looks at me and says, it's fun to be us. Because it is fun. And you ought to have fun. And uh, uh, it's a whole lot of fun serving Jesus. And i got to tell you, you take those seven things, uh, let them be woven through, and loving God and loving people will happen. It is happening already. Get, be simple. Love God, love people, and, and live it out. And I have to tell you, it is my thrill, really, it's my thrill to hand off uh, my lead pastor uh, role and calling to Daniel. Um, I, you, won't, you won't even miss a beat this, this, this will only pick up momentum. I actually believe, um, well, I'm going up north of Steamboat, my hometown, and that's a little bit higher latitude, and so for me, it's like looking down at y'all. I mean, not judgment-wise, but kind of, oh, yeah, and, and watching and going, look what's going to happen here. Look what's going to happen. It's going to be so much fun to actually see it ramp up even more. I, I fully anticipate that it's going to be uh, even better and uh, bigger and more fun. And uh, the anointing that's on you, Daniel, uh, for this is uh, increasing. And uh, uh, it's going to be a wild ride. And it's going to be really fun to, uh, to hear the stories of who's all being changed and what's happening and how God is moving here and the kingdom is, is working. And I've got to tell you that, uh, like uh, Jeff was saying, this isn't how it usually goes. This isn't how it usually goes where uh, you have a transition. And, uh, uh, but it's my thrill to release right now, release my, um, if there's such a thing as a mantle, mantle of leadership and, uh, as lead pastor and to bless you, Daniel, uh, in your leadership. I want you to pray for him. I want you to come alongside him. I want, if you're, I want you to become champions of what God's calling him to do. I want you to pray for his family. I want you to pray for him constantly that there's favor on him and that when he spends time with God, he gets stuff straight from the throne that just blows your mind, challenges you, and you don't get to be the same. Pray for that for him. Pray for his family, that they're protected, uh, that, uh, that they uh, are thriving and flourishing. Pray for them. Yeah. And uh, come alongside him. Be a champion. Uh, uh, be a leader. But let there be a leadership culture here. So what I want to do um, on my way out is I want to pray for you. I mean, you're getting that. We did that, but I'm going to do it. Come on up here, man. It's my, my turn. Uh, and uh, I just want to bless you and uh, uh, speak over you. Can I do that? All right. You put your hands forward. That's how we do it. <clears throat> Lord, it's my honor, and thank you for giving it to me, uh, to have been here, to serve here, uh, to uh, see you work, and see you work in the life of Daniel, and uh, uh, the man that he is, and he has become, and I pray for your anointing to increase and be um, uh, almost more than he can process, uh, Lord, that uh, 
Uh, he's a 10-talent guy. I've declared that for a couple of years. I've declared that, buddy. Uh, that uh, Daniel's a 10-talent guy, and I pray, Lord, that you would leverage his gifts, his heart, and his, and his uh, desire to hear from you uh, into our lives and the life of this church, and that, in fact, Lord, the whole valley is different because of Daniel's leadership in this uh, lead pastor role. Uh, I pray, Lord, for everything that he needs, um, that you will be calling uh, the people in this room mm. to come alongside him, uh, to bring uh, their expertise, their generosity, uh, their gifts, and their influence uh, for, uh, for what you've called him to do. And I pray, Lord, that uh, uh, this can be the most fun that he's had so far. Uh, that uh, uh, 10 years from now, when he looks back, uh, he's actually stymied at what you have done through him. Uh, so we pray for favor we pray for uh, times with you and a flow in his life uh, and ministry here uh, and an increase even in his calling so that, uh, Lord, I know you are so well pleased with him now, uh, but then he, the two of you, uh, Daniel and you, are just having uh, a great time uh, watching your kingdom move forward. And so we thank you for the opportunity to be before you now ask for this stuff, and I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to serve you and to serve with Daniel. Uh, so just bless him, and he has my blessing in Jesus' name. Thank you, buddy. Amen. Thanks, yeah. I really better sit down. Easy. Okay. Um, I, we are going to spend some time and honor Charlie, and then we're going to have a party after this, so it's going to be, um, we're going to have a party for you and celebrate oh, you. Okay. Um, the rules for this next part are pretty simple. Um, we want, if you have a Charlie story, we want you to be honest and be brief. Those are the rules. We don't have much time left. So if Not you have a honest. story. What? Not too honest, I don't think. Well, uh, <laughs> honoring. Oh, honoring, honor. honest, and brief. And, and so um, if, if there's somebody in here that, I know there's probably a lot of you that would have a say, I got a Charlie story. I'd love to tell it. Um, raise your hand and we'll get you a microphone. Right here. Do I have to go up to the, there? Okay. I don't remember when this was, but I know I was alive. Um, but way back, uh, probably three or four years ago, oh yeah, he said short, okay. Um, my mom implemented a new diet in our house called the Daniel Plan, and it was all Charlie's fault. And, um, we had to eat healthy, we had to eat oatmeal, and honestly, she, she's like kept a few of these recipes going, and we eat, um, Daniel Plan stuff every now and then, and I think Charlie's one who... He, we, they were talking about it through the church, and they handed us these books, and it was like a whole diet thing, and um, it was all Charlie's fault. And thank you so much, fault. and also... My apologies. <laughs> I apologize for the Daniel plan. It's a new Daniel plan. My name's Crystal McFarland, and uh, I had the privilege of working here, um, actually, to Charlie's inspiration for helping clean the church, and he was always here. He was always here, and I just want to thank him for his perseverance, and he was always, um, even though he's a busy guy, uh, he always took a moment, and he would pray with you, mm. and um, I'm so excited to see you go on and do great things, so thank you for everything. Thank you.
Charlie Hill, I consider you one of my very best friends, and one of the things I love about you is that you hear the voice of God in the most unusual ways. And when you heard the voice of God through Frank Sinatra, and he said to you, and here's the best part, you have a head start if you are among the very young at heart. And through those words, you and Gwen danced in the kitchen and came to the conclusion you were ready to take a risk. And it's just great to know someone who will, at 57 years old, take a great risk like that. And it will something, it's something I'll carry with me and learn uh, from you for the rest of my life. So thanks for being the risk taker. Good. That's good. So I've known Charlie since the beginning of his ministry here. He was my youth pastor back in the day when he first came to church at Carbondale. Um, gosh, with all of our violently named programs like Smack and Whack, and <laughs> I'm pretty sure we had a game where someone would stand in the center with a rolled up to, uh, newspaper and like whack people around. <laughs> That's what youth was like back in the day when I was in middle school. But um, I just wanted to say thank you. Um, you have had such a huge impact on my life, and I don't think I would be here today if it wasn't for you. And um, the ministry that you had and how you poured into us as kids, how you poured into me as a middle schooler, um, and I just want to say thank you. I don't really like doing this, but um, my name is Diane Crowdis, and I don't have a particular story, um, lots of stories. Um, Charlie's been, <clears throat> been through a lot of difficult times with me. Um, one of the fun things is that um, Henry and my son Bryce, um, they're the same age, and uh, Charlie coached football. And uh, they started out in third grade playing football. And uh, that was really fun um, to do that uh, with Charlie. And uh, I have to say I was so shocked that you were leaving. But um, I know God has great things in store for you and Gwen and us here. Thank you. So I'm a relatively shortcomer to the valley, and when I first came in, uh, it was for oil and gas. And as that uh, decided to plummet, um, I needed some extra work because my hours were being cut, and uh, living in the valley isn't exactly cheap. So Charlie decided to take me on as the maintenance guy for a season uh, here at the orchard. And uh, some things went great, some things went bad. And at one point, I'm thinking, okay, I need to get out. Uh, there's somebody better for this, but how do I do that? And Charlie sat down with me one day and said, we have somebody who's retired, who's willing to volunteer his time. And so I hate to say it, you've done a great job, but it's time to go. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you so much. So thank you, Charlie, for giving me for something new. You. For firing me. <laughs> and uh, giving me the ability to learn more. Thank oh, you so much. Thanks, Daniel. 
Hi, my name's Bill, and uh, Charlie and I have been buddies for a number of years, and about once a month we have lunch together and talk about issues and um, things we're feeling and circumstances and so forth, and then periodically Gwen and Charlie and I have dinner together, and uh, I just got to tell you, brother, I am going to miss that mm -hmm. so much. Um, and Charlie, is all, I've always been impressed with his maturity, and in spite of hurts and working through complex issues, his commitment to do the right thing before God. And that's impressive. And he's a good man, and I'll drive up to Steamboat and we'll go to lunch. And Steamboat is blessed to have you and Gwen. So, thank you. Thank you, Gwen. Thank you. we got time for probably two more. Charlie, I just want to say thank you for you took this church into the next level because there was a couple of things that we got to see more of with you. And so one of them was that more speakers came in, got to speak into the body of Christ. And it wasn't just pastors locally or just a few people. So you brought people from the outside in, which is great because we are one whole body. And the other thing is this exact thing right here where you allowed people to stand up talk about, I remember you'd run up and down the halls and you would tell people, say a good, you know, say something that happened good, um, share something in your life that was amazing or touched you. And so we were able to share that with the rest of the body. And what's so amazing about that is that when you get to share something personal about you, it says that it's for somebody else too. There's somebody across the room that says, that's for me too, I want that. And so you really opened it up that more people could be healed from the heart and from the body. So thank you so much for elevating this church to the next level. And Gwen, we forgot to, we haven't really mentioned Gwen too much, but Gwen, thank you so much. She's done so much for the church, countless things, countless hours. And I mean, just been the pinnacle of what a preacher's wife should be exactly what you would want to see. So Gwen, thank you so much too. Last one. Well, I just wanted to acknowledge Gwen, too. Um, thanks, Gwen. I don't know if you're here today, but I know you've been at my house praying for Annie and riding bikes with me and on stage singing and playing guitar and painting. And thanks for your ministry to us, too. We're going to miss both of you and appreciate all that you've given and, and done for our whole body and for our family, too. Yeah. We'll have more time as we um, end here and move over to the next room. You'll have some time to, to go tell a story. Make sure you, you have that moment to go tell Charlie uh, how much he's meant to you. Um, it be a good story. There's a lot of stories out there. We, we were sharing some that were so funny. Thank you very much for the fly rod. Oh, we're ha you do have, yeah, kids bring it up here. You made children cry for two decades. <laughs> we got, we got, you he, have to deal with that now. I know, I know. We got, um. Charlie's a fly fisherman. We have a reel here and a rod, and uh, these are really special ones. I, I don't know about that, but you know about They're those. And it gives you to get to a fly shop up there in Steamboat for a tour and uh, some flies. I, so. I just want to say thank you for that. Yes, yeah, from the this orchard. So thank you so much. <laughs> Not yet. Um, personally. There were days where Charlie and I, we have, we have joked about this, we did not want to meet with each other. We went through some dark days. 
We wanted nothing to do. We made the joke like, are you feeling a little sick today? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we probably shouldn't meet. Um, and, and, and unity is our story. God has restored us to such a point. Uh, I got to say the hardest, well, the hardest parts about this is I'm just going to miss you. I have a deep love for you. I have a respect for you. You embody risk. And, and this is true of you before this whole situation even happened. You were always looking and ready for God to ask you to step out. And so when you told me, what, three weeks ago? <laughs> when you told me three weeks ago, um, I was completely shocked at the news, but not shocked at you. Because you are somebody who you will put it all on the line for God. And if he asks, you go. You're a man of action, and we've seen that time and time again, haven't we? And the orchard, we, yes, we are a better place. We, um, I mean, everything I do from here on out, I stand on the, there's only been two pastors before me, and I stand on your shoulders, and I just want to say thank you as a pastor, and I love you as a friend, and I honor you, man. You are, you are an amazing man, and we're going to stand, and we're going to pray over Charlie, and we're going to pray that God would bless him. I believe Charlie's greatest, yeah, stand up, please. Charlie's greatest days of ministry are ahead of him. Um, Steamboat is going to be blessed because of him. It's a rocking and rolling church, and they got lots of staff. Go ahead and come up here, please. Um, I'm going to do this one differently. I'm going to have you guys stand right here at the front. And, and if and this, this might be every one of you, it might be some of you. If you consider, if you're one of Charlie's close people, you're one of his friends, or you just want to get a hand on him, you come up here and pray over him, I'm going to invite you to come up and let's make a circle. If you don't want to come up, you just stretch your hand out and, and pray over him. We're going to bless Charlie and Gwen as they go off on this adventure. So anybody who wants to come up, put a hand on Charlie and Gwen, please do so. Stretch out a hand to this guy. <clears throat> Jesus, <laughs> you are so proud of your son and your daughter here today. The Christian life is about taking risks in faith. And Father, these, these two are modeling that. And we pray in one accord as one church, in the name of Jesus, that Gwen and Charlie be blessed, be effective, that they be protected Jesus, we ask that you would give him supernatural wisdom and insight and effectiveness and steamboat. Father, we pray that you would bless everything from their move to the details they don't see coming. But then as one church in one accord, we say, Charlie, Gwen, in Jesus' name, be blessed. Don't we? In Jesus' name, amen. Now, yes. So here's the deal. We are over our time. Um, we're gonna go. We're gonna start moving to the party over here. The band is gonna play us out. Um, you guys are welcome to come take communion. You're welcome to come give Charlie a big hug. Um, but man, we love you, and we're ready to celebrate you some more. So, Orchard, um, as Charlie would say, as he closes over and over and over, uh, love God and love people, and may we go forth from this room and be blessed. You're dismissed. <laughs>